0: Welcome to the Hope Community Church Podcast. We're so grateful that you're here with us today. We pray that these messages encourage you, inspire you, and give you hope, whether you are in your car, at your house, or your job. We hope you enjoy these messages. Last week we talked about the first 18 verses in James. We're just walking through the book of James. James is a guy who doesn't do a lot of small talk. He's not going to pat you on the back twice before he gives you a criticism. He's just going to let you have it. He's just straight shooter, going to tell you what's right, going to tell you what's wrong and expect you to listen. Amen? So uh, I imagine he was a pretty uh, forward pastor and didn't mind confronting people. So there's probably a lot of church, a lot of people at the church next to him. You guys will get that later. (laughs) But fortunately, uh, James's letter is included in scripture and we can learn from it. And I believe this, I believe in the midst of chaos, God's word is still true. Amen. So it behooves the church just to look into it. And we're going to learn some more of that today. Are you ready? Stand to your feet. We're going to start in verse, uh, verse 19 of chapter one. We're going to wrap up chapter one today. I wasn't here last week, but I was here. I know, and they had a camera set up on top of the thing, so I was in the Outer Banks watching you watch me. No, they didn't actually, but that would be crazy. (laughs) James chapter one, verse 19, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak, slow to anger, Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, you said if we'd look into it, it would renew our minds. It would change us. So we ask you to do that today, Lord. We're here together for this one purpose, for you to transform our lives through through your word. Do that today. Lord, more than ever before, we need it. We need to walk out of here different people thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. All right, it's going to be rapid fire today. Are you ready? Okay, some of you aren't sure, but you're going to get it anyway. James, in the first 18 verses, he talks about how walking through difficult times produces things in your life. And we discussed that last week. Now he doesn't he doesn't switch gears here. Now, now remember when we are when you're having a conversation with people, you don't say one sentence and then change the topic, typically, right? At least if you're on your medication. <laughs> typically there's a there's a thought process that goes through your conversation. And so what happens in Scripture is that if you're not careful, you will read because it was separated up. Because somebody came along later and put chapters and verses and then helped you with the titles. We kind of will separate thoughts like James wrote a paragraph on this and then changed his thought and wrote a paragraph on this and then changed his thought and wrote a paragraph on this. That really never happens in real life. Amen? When we're, when we're talking or writing something, we typically, there's, a, there's a, a thread of thought walking through it. And so I always encourage people, don't just read a verse or two verses, take a little bit of time to read the thought process because it matters. Because if you don't get the thought process down that James has, you may end up thinking he's talking about something that he's not talking about. Context is king, amen? Amen. Context is king, so you gotta make sure that you're getting the right context when you're, when you're trying to apply scripture to your life. So one through 18, we talked about last week, we're starting verse 19, James just jumps out of the gate, and he says, you got two ears and one mouth, shut it. That's what he said. Talk less than you hear. You know, it's, it's cool that God gave us two ears, in in one mouth because it would be weird if you had two mouths and then one ear right here. It'd just be like, it's like what'd you say? And then you'd have to turn to hear the. Per- really strange looking. Uh, you know what the beautiful thing about hearing is? You can typically hear 360 degrees around you. That's awesome. Like you can hear stuff behind you happen. You can see, hear stuff beside you happen. You can hear stuff in front of you happen. You can hear stuff below you. You can hear stuff above you. God, God did it. He wired your brain in order to be able to tell where it's coming from even. The crazy thing about your mouth is he made it directional. Directional. Now, I'm middle-aged, and, um, and I was around construction stuff pretty much my whole life, and so I find myself getting a little bit more hard of hearing. So any, any other people have the problem where somebody, I'm not going to mention who or how many, but somebody in your house walks to the other end of the house facing away from you and then says something that you're supposed to hear? about So um so our speaking is extremely directional but our hearing is unidirectional you need to pay attention to that because God gave you exponentially more ability to hear than talk because talking is extremely directional it can it can get messed up it can get it can get messed up by the, by all kinds of things, and you're not facing the right direction, you're not talking loud, and all these type of things. But he gave us the ability to hear all around us. And so James kicks off verse 19, and he says, listen, 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 listen. Look at your neighbor and say, are you listening? Listen. He says, be, be listening all the time. Listen a lot. Quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So we're just going to do, I got, I got one word, one word points today. I'm trying to be tricky. First thing he says is listen. Listening is how we receive things. You, you do know you can't lay on your Bible at night and get it in you. You do realize that, Right? The way, that, the way that the gospel get, gets in us is not some weird osmosis or a needle. It's hearing the word of God. When you read it, you hear it in your mind. You didn't realize that, right? And now we've fast forwarded. Think about this. The only way people could get it before was to was to either read it or have somebody else read it. Now you can get pull your phone out and somebody, somebody you don't even know will read it to you. It's like your own personal assistant. He just read the Bible to me and they'll start reading. But you're hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So James says, the first thing we have to do is listen. The first thing we have to do is listen. Now now this is a theme all through Scripture. When, when Moses leads the Israelites out of Egypt, he writes, he writes a really long sermon in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter six. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land which you are going over to possess it. That you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son by keeping all his statutes and his commandment which I've commanded you all the days of your life that your days may be long. So he's like, listen, You're getting ready to go into this land. God is telling you how you're supposed to act, what you're supposed to do. Verse three, hear therefore, O Israel, be careful to do them. What did he say? Listen. How many of you got kids? How many times a day do you say, listen to me? Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen. 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 You so mad. You can't even say the whole words. So becomes one syllable. Listen. All through Scripture, verse three, verse four, he says again, Here is Israel, the Lord your, our God. The Lord is one." He's telling them, "Listen to God. Listen to him. Listen to him. Listen to." Him. Fast forward all the way to the end of the book, Revelations. What is God saying to people? Listen, Revelations 2, he's writing, the beginning of Revelations, he's talking, about to the, he's talking to the seven churches. He who has an ear, let him what? Hear what the Spirit says to the church. He's saying, listen to me, I'm talking. All throughout Scripture, God's looking at us going, listen, listen to me, listen to me, listen to him. I'm trying to bless you, I'm trying to keep you, I'm trying to heal you, I'm trying to protect you. I'm, listen to me. So, shh, 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 look at your neighbor, not your spouse, and just go, shh, shh, shh. The word's right, shh, but I ain't stupid. You know what I'm saying? Don't look at your spouse and say that. He says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Because why, why would he say that? Because incessant talking blocks your ability to hear you can't listen and talk at the same time he says slow to speak so here's the problem you have to make sure you're here enough to say something productive can i can i confess a little bit of something i do how many of you like being right i love it it's it's like it's like i get this little warm fuzzy feeling deep down inside like oh you're right i'm like i know so here's what I do a lot of times. While people are talking, I'm not thinking about what they're talking about. I'm thinking about what I'm going to say about what they're, th- what they're saying. Anybody else do that? Oh, man. They'll say one little key phrase, and I'm like, I got it. I got four scriptures, three quotes, and one thing I came up with my own, and I'm going to crush them as soon as they stop talking. <laughs> Anybody else? I'm winning. Oh, man, this is a the conversation. I'm like, I'm going to show them how much I know. I'm devising something while they're talking. So you know what I'm not doing? Listening. So he says, be quick to listen, but slow to speak. He says, hear what God is saying. I do that with God a lot of times. When, when I'm reading scripture, I come up with an argument. Well, yeah, God, that ain't gonna work here. I'll give you four reasons why it ain't gonna work here. One of them, I think I'm pretty smart. I came up with them on my own. I need you to listen, God. You cannot talk and listen at the same time. So we have to hear enough to say something productive. Can I say this? Wisdom sounds like something you've never heard yet. I believe the wisdom factor would go up 50% if we talked 50% less because the problem is we're talking so long we can't ingest wisdom. We do so much talking, so much talking, so much talking, so much talking. When somebody says something wise, we don't hear it. So what happens is we talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and then we prove that we're not wise. I think it was Abraham Lincoln that said, better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. So he's saying, look, God is imparting things to you, but you have to, can I say this? You have to shut up long enough to get it. And even in our prayer life, all we do is talk. We talk and we talk and we talk. And when somebody else is around us, we talk, we talk, we talk, and we talk, and we talk. And James says, shh, shh, shh just Listen. God is talking, just listen. If you're too busy talking about what you know, you'll never figure out what you don't. Listen. If you're gonna ask for advice, shut your mouth long enough to get it. Hmm. Some of us, including myself, have gotten into bad places because we weren't quiet enough to find out if someone else was saying was wise or not. Here's what I figured out. There's people that will tell you what you need to know if you're wise enough to be quiet and listen to them. Ask the question and then listen. The beautiful thing that God is that God is speaking all the time to us. From Deuteronomy to Revelations, he's saying, listen, 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 listen. His word is speaking to us on a daily basis. He's got people in our lives that are speaking his word to us in a day, on a daily basis. And he's saying, listen, be quiet long enough to listen. But then he adds something in there. So he says, be quick to listen, slow to speak. And then does anybody remember that third thing? Slow to anger. Okay, we're going to move right on past that. Um, okay, I took a personality test one time, and I found out I was angry. <laughs> Boy, that relieved a lot, and it also explained a lot. It, that is a true story, by the way. Uh, on this one personality test we've, all the staff has taken, I'm in the anger triad, and my wife went, mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, my response to a lot of life (laughs) is not joy. Now, James puts this in because what do you do when you get angry a lot of times? Because when you get angry, you tell people what you think. The problem is you've been too busy talking to get any wisdom, so what you think sounds stupid when you're angry. Amen. The dumbest things I've ever said in my life were when I was angry. Which happens to be pretty often. James is being extremely specific here. He's saying, listen more than you talk. And then control your anger now watch remember we're the same train of thought so if you go back up to the first 18 verses of james he's talking about the difficulties can produce things in your life remember we talked about that last week that they can produce difficulties can produce things but but watch this he's giving you a formula i said if you're in the difficulty one through 18 if you're in the difficulty be slow to speak quick to listen and don't let anger take control of you you know why because anger blocks production. We get mad and we just start running off at the mouth. Just, you know what? I'm gonna blah, blah, blah. Tasmanian devil angry. He's just whipping up a, a storm of anger, and he's like, You're blocking the production of righteousness in your life because you're so mad you won't listen. You've never had that problem. I'm talking to the choir. It's crazy. You've never been mad enough not to listen. He said, anger blocks your ability to hear. You ever had somebody so mad they wouldn't listen to what you were saying? Now, I need to clarify something. The type of anger James is talking about here is not a righteous indignation. Some, some people try to guise it as, well, I'm, I'm righteous for the Lord. No, you're just mad. This is not a righteous indignation like Jesus walking into the temple and flipping over the money changers' tables. This is not that. James is talking about control your senseless, useless anger that produces nothing in your life. He said it will actually block the production of righteousness in your life. It will limit your ability to hear. It will cause you to run off at the mouth and then nothing good comes from any of that. So go back up to the first 18. He says, if you're going to walk through trials, which you are, the worst thing that could happen is for you to be angry about it. Told you, he didn't play around. I know you're walking through something difficult. It's pointless to be mad about it. He says it blocks the production of righteousness in your life. He says if, if you get angry, then it, then it doesn't get you anywhere. James chapter 1, 2 through 3, counted all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. So what did he say in verse 2? of what we talked about last week. He said, don't be angry, count it all joy. Be joyous. The exact opposite of angry when you're walking through trials. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. But if you're angry, it's gonna block that. So watch this. He then says, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. You know what he said there? Here's what's happening to you. I need you to listen to the word of God in the middle of what's happening to you. Shut your mouth and think about what you're thinking about. Have you ever thought about what you're thinking about? Have you ever taken the time to think about what you're thinking about? Seriously, you ever had a thought pop in your mind? You go, wow, I'm I'm gonna think about that for a second. I'm gonna give you a, a, a a little tip Because wouldn't it be awesome if all the angry people, we could just line them up in an old Pentecostal uh, prayer line, and we could just, in the name of Jesus, no more anger, name of Jesus, no more anger, no more anger, no anger, no anger, no anger. anger. Everybody falls out, and then they would get up, and they're like, man, I'm never angry anymore. This is unbelievable. Probably not going to happen. You're going to sit through this sermon today, and you're going to go, that's me. I get angry. I say crazy stuff. I'm just like the pastor. Yeah. You're going to go home. You're going to try to, you're like, what? And tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up, and you're going to feel it. Angry people, can we, can we get some love here? What happens? Something happens, and you feel it. Chest gets a little tight. You start to get a little heat up the back of your neck, and you can feel your tongue. It's just quivering, waiting, waiting for the moment to Strike, And you're like, in the name of Jesus, what do you do right there? He says, think about what you're thinking about. He, he actually says, put off the filthiness and rampant wickedness. Stop thinking about stuff you shouldn't be thinking about. Now, now, now I'm gonna help you out here. Can I help you out with politics really quick? Oh man, I've been waiting so long to do this in church. So here, here, listen. There's an issue here that the that the whole thing is set up to make you angry. Did you realize that? Our whole culture now is set up to make you angry. So so James is saying. The stuff, the filthiness and the wickedness that you've been thinking about, don't think about. Think about what you're thinking about. Twitter makes you angry. Facebook makes you angry. The news makes you angry. Everything makes you angry. So everything we're ingesting is designed by Satan to stop the production of righteousness in your trial. You're walking through. I heard a a theologian say at this one, you complicate your own problems. Because yes, you are walking through the trial, but there's no way I can have joy about it because I just turned the TV on and they said we're all dying. I can't turn Twitter on because I just hate everyone. I can't turn Facebook on because all everybody's so stupid on Facebook and I don't care what you had for dinner. <laughs> so what's it doing? You know what? Satan doesn't have to kill you. He just has to keep you angry he does not have to take your money if he can keep you angry. He does not have to take your job if he can keep you angry, because James says anger will stop the production of righteousness in your life. So what do we do? We think about what we're thinking about. Slow down long enough. Once you feel your heart start to race a little bit, just hit pause and say, God, why am I getting upset about I need the power of your Holy Spirit. I need Paul said to take every thought captive. That's not, that's not some mystical, like, like a dream catcher running around, like I'm going to catch the thought. No, that's going, hey, listen, is that righteous or not? Is that thought producing righteousness in my life right now? Is that thought producing anything that's going to be beneficial through this trial? We're our own worst enemy in trials. Our own worst enemy. And we don't shut up long enough to figure it out. Just blaming everybody else. We are our own worst enemy. James says, hey, stop thinking about stuff like that. And in meekness, look into the word of God. Now, I want to talk to you a second about this. This is not a helpless humility where you're like, well, I'm just surrendering to the Lord's will. I don't know what else to do. The Bible's not talking about getting beat up meekness. It's talking about a humility that, hey, listen, the reason I can even resist this is because of the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I know where my help comes from. I'm humble enough to know that I can't not be angry just on my own it doesn't mean you roll over and play dead. It means I know that in and of myself, I can't do this. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can be a different person. Amen? So listen. Listen. The second thing is do. Verse 22, but be doers of the word and not only hearers. So deceiving yourselves, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. I need you to make sure you understand this right now. James is not talking about behavior modification because you've created new habits. You've went on the 30 day habit program and you just, now you don't cuss as much, as much. That's, James is not talking about behavior modification. If he was, he would have just said, hey, stop doing it and start acting better. No, his, his exact direction was in verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, what are you doing? the reason I'm even changing is because I looked into the word of God and it transformed my heart and mind. Amen? So here's what I need you to understand. Can we go back to politics? (laughs) Here's why politics fails every time in the transformation of society is because politicians are trying to get you to change without changing your heart first. And that's never a lasting change. Because as soon as somebody can come up with a better argument, the change is gone. Amen? It's like telling a kid, hey, listen, if you keep eating the sweets, you're going to end up a diabetic. They're like, that's pretty rational. As soon as one of their four year old friends comes along and says, hey, man, this whole box of Snickers bars looks good for dinner, they're going to go, that's a better argument. Amen. Sounds good to me, by the way, because there wasn't a heart change. So what James says is look intently into the word of God. And what he knows about looking intently into the word of God is that the word of God will renew your mind. So it changes who you are on the inside, therefore changing what you do on the outside. So here's what happens. If you just look at the Word of God and don't apply it to your life, James says you're like somebody that looks at themselves in the mirror, walks away, and then forgets who they are. So anybody remember memory verses? Some of you grew up in church, remember memory verses. Your first one was probably Jesus wept. It didn't, it didn't even matter what kind of trouble you were in. Your dad was like, hey, you're going to get a spanking. You're like, Jesus wept. i don't. just throwing it out there. Memory verse for the week. Jesus wept. Take that, Dad! Take that, devil! Jesus wept. <laughs> then you probably moved on to John three sixteen for God's so love of the world that gave his only begotten. Start memorizing verses. What was that doing? That was inter- internalizing the word of God so that it changed your heart. You know why the church is so schizophrenic today? Because we don't internalize Scripture anymore. We look at it on Sunday morning, turn around, and walk away and forget who we are. We forget who we are. And so what do we do? We just adopt the most logical argument outside of the church. And James just told us to put away all the filthiness and the wickedness. He said, don't listen to the rational argument of the day. He said, look intently into the word of God. Because if you look intently into the word of God and you be quiet long enough for it to change your heart, then what you do will be a result of that heart change. The trouble with our society today is we're trying to get people to act right without being right. We're trying to get them to act right without being right. And it's not that you can be right, but you can be right by Him. Amen? So, church, we have to intently look into the Word of God, let it change our heart, and then it changes what we do. So doing is a result of being changed internally. Be someone that looks into things, not just on the external. Psalms 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. You know, do you know why it changes him? Because he looks at it more than he looks at Netflix. All right, that was me. Hearing and not doing indicates there wasn't a heart change. James is teaching us that behavior change that is lasting always comes from a change of heart. It is possible to hear and not change, and that's not productive. In the middle of a trial, you have to hear what God is saying, apply it to our lives, and let it change us inside. And then it changes what we do. We have to listen to the word with understanding. Proverbs 4, 7 says the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. That's why I always encourage you, don't just read a verse. Get some insight into what you're reading so that then you can apply it to your life. And if you can't get it just by reading it, get around somebody that's already read it and applied it. Amen? Amen? Now, James is gonna talk about this a lot more in, in chapter two of James because he's gonna start talking about how faith and works and all this stuff and show me your, show me your works and I'll show you your faith. He wasn't, he's not saying that you're saved because of what you do. He's saying what you do shows that you're saved. Amen? He's like, your actions, the way you act things out, especially in a trial, are proving That the word of God has transformed your life, not the opposite way around. I don't do good to be saved. I do good because I'm saved. Amen? Amen? So we're going to get into that more in chapter 2. So the last thing, we've listened, we do, and now we're proving. It's going to prove itself out. Or he looks at himself and goes away at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So three things really quick. Blessing, control, and care. Proving that the life transformation, what happens is we listen to the word of God, apply it to our lives, it changes us. Then we go out and do what it says, and then what do you say? The proof is in the pudding. I have no idea what that means. Pudding is very unhealthy for you. I used to love those buffets where they just had a big old pot of pudding and you could just get as much as you wanted. Three chicken wings and a half a plate of pudding. (laughs) I won't see 70. I can guarantee it. Here's what happens. He says the proof is going to look like this. Obedience. Do you realize obedience equals blessing? I can make your life 50% more blessed today. Do you, everybody, come on, raise your hand. Say, oh, I want the blessing. I want the blessing, Lord. I want the blessing. fifty. More. I, I increase it 50% today. Stop being angry. That's what he said. Remember, don't, don't lose the train of thought quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. And then he walks all the way through, go look into the word of God, apply it to your life, do what it says, and by the way, you'll be blessed. How am I gonna be blessed? By actually applying what the word of God says. I don't, money doesn't have to fall out of the tree. I can have a 50% better life this week by just not getting angry. Your boss will like you more. Your wife will like you more. Your kids will like you more. Your husband may like you more. Your neighbors will like you more. And you'll say, The blessing of God has come down on me. It has, because you're not a jerk anymore. I told you, James didn't play around. Here, watch this. Obedience equals blessing. When we intently look into the word of God, it changes us. We then put it into practice and obey, thus resulting in living a blessed life. It's not magic. Everybody's sitting around like, I want to live the blessed life. Well, stop being dumb. Listen to what he said, apply it, and it equals blessing. I don't know how else to say it. We get angry at people who are less angry than we are living a blessed life. Does that make any sense whatsoever? how they get the blessing? Well, they're half as mad as you are. That's it. They listen more than you do. They talk half as much as you do. What's that look like? Blessing. It's obedience equals blessing. Now, I want you to understand this right now. This does not come because we are smart or advantaged or deserving or favored, but because God was so gracious to send Jesus to the cross on our behalf, raise him from the dead, and impart that exact power to us through the Holy Spirit. So as a result of that power, we could live a life by faith and obedience. So before you bang your chest that you are such a good Christian, he made you capable of even obeying him. So that's why I can't stand people just walking around like, like, oh, it's just favor, like you, like it's just favor. It's not no such thing as favor. The grace of God raised Jesus from the dead, and it says that same power that raised him from the dead dwells in us. So what does that enable us to do? It enables us to look into Scripture, apply it to our lives, and then receive a blessing for that application. When you just say, "Oh, it's favor." It's like, I don't know, I got sprinkled with pixie dust last week and it just still, it's still lasting. No, that doesn't make any sense. What, what the favor? Describe what favor is. The favor of God is when you apply God's word to your life and it works. So James says, the proof is when God transforms your life by grace, then he gives you the ability to obey him by grace and then by grace he blesses that obedience. Don't puff your chest out. It's by grace alone through faith alone. Amen? He gives us the ability to obey and then when we obey, he gives us the blessing of obedience. So the problem is obedience looks like discipline. Oh man. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, He doesn't say, James is not very nice. He doesn't say, this guy could use some help. He doesn't say, I think there's a course he could take online to help with this. He says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. You want to be blessed? Shut it. Here's the problem. The band's going to come up because I'm in enough trouble. I have seen some of the most religious people be some of the nastiest people I've ever been around. Well, you're like, well, that's the truth, brother. <laughs> None of them here, but we know who you're talking about. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That neighbor I got, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. Some of the most divisive things I have ever heard have started out with, thus says the Lord. Because we can't control our tongues, our religion becomes worthless. You want to prove out the gospel? Listen more than you talk. And then the last thing he says, so we obey which equals discipline. But then the last thing he says is is a theme all throughout scripture. Jesus came, it's the Bible says, while we were still sinning, while we were sinners, you know what that means? While you were actively sinning apart from God with no ability to change yourself, while you were actively sinning, Jesus died for us. While the world was on a straight line to rebellion in hell, Jesus died for us. He put you and me before him. He went to the cross, gave his own life on behalf of ours. You know what pure religion is? You're doing the same thing. James wraps up the end of chapter one and he says, listen, even in difficulty, you can be productive. And he says, but the key to production The key to the production of righteousness in your life is to be quiet, listen, be slow to anger, apply the word of God to your life. And by the way, right at the end here, verse 19, take care of other people. You know how the church started? Jesus looked at the disciples before he ascended into heaven and he said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I will be with you always. You know what he said? Hey, hey guys, listen, listen, listen. This is not just about you. This is not just about you. This is about everybody around you. James follows that up. He says the purest religion is when you're taking care of other people. He happens to throw out widows and orphans in that group, but he—but all through Scripture, it was about laying your life down for your brother. It was about taking care of. It was about the story of the good Samaritan. It was about how much of Jesus do you have in you to overcome, to overcome our selfishness, to overcome our anger, to overcome uh, the way we. Do how much Jesus is in you to make you focus on taking care of other people because here's what I know the more I'm focused on me the more my religion is worthless but when I'm focused on others he says wraps up the whole chapter and he says listen the purest religion is when you're taking care of other people it's not about us anymore If you have accepted Christ in here, you are on your way. And now the best thing you could do with that information is to care about other people with it. So we obey, we're disciplined, and we care for other people. Father, we ask you today, help every one of us in here this morning, God. Lord, in a society that just seems like it's built to make us mad, in a culture that just feeds off a hate, Lord, we pray that we'd look intently into your word and we'd never forget. We pray that a hope and peace and joy would flow out of this church like a river into this town, into towns around us. We pray that even in difficult times, like James is talking about in this chapter, even in difficult times, Lord, that a righteousness would rise up out of the church. That would be obedient and caring for our community. We pray you do that in us today. We pray through your word, you change us, God. And we pray we'd reach the people around us. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for speaking bluntly to us today, Lord. Change us by your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, church. give him praise this morning? He's good. Amen. We thank you for your time today. We hope you have grown closer to Jesus Christ through this message. If you found it helpful, share the message. Share it with your friends and your family. And with your help, we can take the gospel far and wide.